Dr. Taylor, now come and preach for us, please. Well, it's good to be with you. Uh, as Pastor said, we, we moved here about a year ago. Uh, my wife has Alzheimer's. So we needed to uh, move near one of our children, and our son, Timothy, uh, he lives here uh, in the Greenville area. I'd like to direct your attention to the uh, first ten verses of Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 12. This is Paul's famous uh, thorn in the flesh passage. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I I do not know. God knows. And he heard many things which cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being elated by the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thus far, the word of God. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for your word. We pray that you will strengthen us with it, instruct us by it, 
We pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that he would give us that wisdom and insight into the scriptures that we cannot get from our own mental abilities. We pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. I think that one of the most difficult issues with which a Christian ever grapples is this. Why does God allow evil in this world? We know that the scripture teaches that God is sovereign, that he controls all things. We also know that God is loving. And how do you reconcile that with the fact that God has permitted evil in this world? He doesn't cause evil, but he has permitted evil. He has permitted uh, moral evil, uh, the first sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve. He has permitted physical evil, aging, disease, death. And he has permitted physical evil, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. Why does God do that? Well, I don't have the full answer. (laughs) That's one of the things we'll have to ask the Lord when we get to heaven. However, this passage does teach us that as Christians, by the grace of God, we can make the best of the worst in our lives. There are many passages that deal with suffering in this world, evil in this world. Uh, this is a famous passage, Second Corinthians chapter 12. James chapter 1 deals with it. There are many places in the Psalms. And basically you could outline uh, the problem of evil in many passages throughout the Bible. Evil is expected. Evil is normal in this fallen world. Secondly, Evil is beneficial to us as believers. So evil is normal and evil is beneficial. Now, I have this view of heaven. That when you get there, there's this long line. And people are lining up to talk to Adam. And they're all asking him the same question. Now, it's a long line, so it takes you a while to get there. But everyone is asking Adam the same question. What were you thinking? 
<laughs> this is a fine mess that you got us into. And that's true. But ultimately, God allowed evil. As our confession says, God is not the author of evil, but God allowed evil. Moral, physical, and natural evil. Now, as Paul tells us in, in Romans, death reigned from, from Adam to Moses and and of course to the Lord Jesus Christ and also in this life because of the sin of Adam, the fall into sin. So trials are normal in this fallen world. My wife Donna has a younger sister, 12 years younger. And uh, you know that uh, younger people have uh, ideas about child-rearing before they have children. And some, sometimes when uh, Tammy would be visiting us and our children would be acting up and I would tell them uh, to do something, and then they would say, why? And I would say, because I said so. That's why. And Tammy would say, well, whenever I have children, I'm going to explain to the child why they, they should obey. I'm not going to say, because I said so. Well... Tammy later got married and they adopted a couple of girls. And guess what Tammy did? She said, because I said so. Now, sometimes we, we tell children and we tell, we told our children, life is not fair. Get used to it. Life is not fair. Have you ever told that to your children? <laughs> have any of your children, have, uh, you know, your younger people uh, heard your parents say that? Life is not fair. And that is because we live in a fallen world. Now, Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. Literally, it is a stake. Not a piece of beef, but a stake, like a peg. And when you think of the crown of thorns, those were long thorns uh, that was used in the plaiting of the crown uh, that they placed on Jesus' head. But this is even more than a thorn. It is a stake. And it is... Something that we we have to endure. Paul says it was a messenger of Satan. Now Satan uh, allows us and it causes us. God allows Satan to work in our lives. 
And Satan does many things. And he does, he uses disease, he uses uh, death in many, in many different ways. Now, the, the Paul's thorn in the flesh is not identified. Here, I have a list of, of, uh, explanations from various commentators uh, about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Now notice that some of these are physical problems. Some of them are psychological or emotional problems. And some of them are difficult people. Listen to this. Uh, Menaud says that uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh was sorrow for the unbelief of the Jews. Remember in Romans 9, 10, and 11, where Paul says, I wish that, I wish that I could be accursed for my people's sake. Uh, Tertullian thought that it was physical that Paul had a problem with uh, persistent earaches and headaches. John Chrysostom, one of the greatest preachers of all time, uh, thought that it was personal, it was individual, and <laughs> that Paul's thorns in the flesh were Alexander the coppersmith, Hymenus, and Philetus. Roman Catholic theologians, who by the, most of them are celibate priests, said that Paul's problem was women, that he had impure thoughts, and that he had lust for women. Luther, Martin Luther and John Calvin said, that, well, that this was a general term for all temptations and darts of, of, uh, Satan. Others thought that it was epilepsy, hysteria. This is interesting. Lice. <laughs> Remember, Paul spent, spent a lot of time in jail, so there, uh, there would have been lice there. Hypochondria, gout, arthritis, I can identify with that, uh, deafness. Sir William Ramsey thought that it was uh, a type of malaria. Others thought that it was uh, a speech impediment. Remember Paul said, I'm slow of speech? Uh, Others thought that it was remorse for his former life. William Alexander thought it was malaria that uh, causes uh, severe pain, nocturnal delirium, uh, eruptions, uh, loss of hair. Others think that it was depression. And when you think about it, Paul had a lot to be depressed about. 
uh, he 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 struck. He said it, uh, to the Corinthians in Asia, Turkey, I despaired even of life. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible does not specify what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. You know, there are some deliberate ambiguities in the Bible. For example, the time of the uh, second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when I was a pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, from 1982 to 1994, um, I received a, a booklet in the mail in 1988. Now, it was, of course, written on newsprint because the fellow had... Uh, determined that, that Jesus was going to come in 1988 so there was no, no there was no need to preserve the the, uh, the pamphlet and he said well we don't know the year of Jesus return but we can know uh, we 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 don't know the the exact date of Jesus return but we can know the year and the month. And he had it calculated that Jesus was going to return in October of 1988. Now, I got this pamphlet uh, in uh, January, February. But there's no way to calculate the date of Jesus' return. I think that is a deliberate ambiguity in the scripture so that the blessed hope would be the hope, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, would be the the hope of every generation of Christians. Now, the Bible doesn't specify what Paul's thorn in in the flesh was. I think it is a deliberate ambiguity. Some of them were physical problems. Uh, some have explained it uh, with psychological, emotional problems. Some have explained it with relational problems. People. You have to deal with difficult people in your life. I think that it is because of uh, there is a deliberate ambiguity in the scripture. So trials are normal in this fallen world. We will not be done with trials until we die or until the Lord Jesus Christ returns, whichever comes first. Trials are normal in this fallen world. Now we've also said that trials are beneficial. You know, uh, when I preach on the Apostle Peter, people smile. Because we can identify with Peter. 
Peter was such an inconsistent guy. Peter suffered from chronic foot-in-mouth disease. Uh, But with Paul, Paul was a brilliant man. He, He studied under one of the leading pharisaical rabbis of his day. He studied in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. And he was of the tribe of Benjamin, as it tells us in Philippians. He was uh, the, the uh, since this is a southern audience, I can tell you this. Uh, in the Civil War, when the ten northern tribes rebelled against the two southern tribes, uh, all of the northern kings were reprobates, every one of them. So that you, you've, you see often in first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, so and so followed in the, in the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. Jeroboam the first was the king that mixed idolatry with the worship of the Lord so that uh, it became an amalgamated religion which 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 was false the southern tribes were Judah from which our Lord Jesus Christ came and Benjamin uh, and Paul was of the one of the two southern tribes the tribe of Benjamin he was a Pharisee. We use the term today, Pharisee, as an insult. But the Pharisees were the good guys in the in the eyes of Jerusalem, uh, in the uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem at the time. So they 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 loved the Pharisees, and that's what Paul was before he was converted. Now, after he was converted. He spent three years on the backside of the Arabian Desert, which, by the way, is why seminary is three years long. Um, the, and there he was given revelations. And the Bible records uh, seven different revelations. The New Testament records seven different revelations that were given to Paul. And the, the revelation, Paul could have been very proud of that. He was the greatest apostle. He was the apostle extraordinaire. That's another thing we'll have to wait till heaven to get to see. What is the name inscribed on the 12 gates? Of the uh, city of of New Jerusalem, is it Matthias or is it Paul? I think it'll be Paul, but there's some New Testament scholars think that it'll be Matthias. Uh, but Paul, Paul's problem was was pride, and Paul said that the 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 thorn in the flesh, the stake that was given him, 
was to subdue his pride so that he would not boast. So one of the benefits of uh, trials in our lives is to subdue sin in our lives. Now, we, we're all sinners, but we have different besetting sins. And you can think of your besetting sin now. One of the reasons why you are undergoing trials in your life is to subdue your besetting sin. For Paul, it was pride. For others, it is something else. But that is what God is doing in your life. Now, another benefit is to develop Christ-like character in our lives. Romans 8.28 is a uh, favorite verse of Christians. But it's not only a favorite verse of Christians. Have you ever heard someone else uh, who not necessarily a Christian say, well, it all works out for the good. Well, is that what Romans 8.28 says? No. God work. we know that all things work together for good for those who uh, love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he did predestinate to be conformed unto the image of his Son. Now, all things don't work out for good for everybody. It only, Romans 8.28, only applies to Christians. Not to everybody. And the good for which God is working is not our pleasure. It's not our comfort. I think one of the greatest distortions of the gospel today is the health and wealth gospel, which teaches that every Christian has the right to be healthy. Every Christian has the right to be wealthy. Now, some of our friends, uh, for example, uh, the, the Assemblies of God is growing very rapidly in Africa. And the health and wealth gospel is running rampant in Africa. The Assemblies of God, which is an, an, an international church, uh, came out about 10 years ago condemning the health and wealth gospel because there is no theology of suffering in that gospel. There is no theology of, of dealing with trials and difficulties in our lives. And the, the Lord 
works in our lives through trials to develop Christian character. Not only to subdue our sin, but also to develop Christian character in our lives. My wife, Donna, has Alzheimer's. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2014, eight years ago. Her mother had Alzheimer's. Her sister, Tammy, has early signs of Alzheimer's. When I was state clerk, I got a sitter, someone to stay with her at home so I could go to the office. Um, our sitter got pancreatic cancer. Uh, this was about the time I retired. And so I became her primary caregiver. January the 18th, I had to admit Donna to a memory care unit because within three days the previous week, she had tried to escape. One was she tried to get out of the truck when I was on 85 going 70 miles an hour. The other, she got out of the house about 2.30 in the morning. She had, I have an alarm system so that alarm would go off whenever a door was open. But she had uh, damaged the alarm system by slamming the sliding door to the patio shut. So I couldn't arm the system. I thought she was getting up to go to the bathroom as older people are wont to do. But after a few few minutes she didn't return to the bedroom. And I went down the hall and the front door was open. So I immediately called the police. And she was found a few minutes later. She had fallen in a driveway about halfway, a half block from the house. So for her own safety, I had to admit her to a memory care unit. I'm not a very emotional person. I am uh, rather stoic. I haven't cried in over 12 years. And that was at the likelihood of a death of a loved one. 
Since I've admitted Donna to memory care about a month ago, I cry every day. Several times a day. This is a stretch talk sermon, text. You could preach it anywhere, in any culture, at any time. And people would need to hear it. But I chose this text today for my own benefit. I used to tell my wife when I was a pastor... I don't want to go to church today. And she would say, why? And I would say, well, I know what the preacher's going to say. And it's too convicting. I just don't want to go hear it. And then she would say, well, you have to go. I said, why? Because you're the pastor. (laughs) But I chose this text for my benefit to remind myself that we are not done with difficulties and trials in this fallen world. And it will last until we die or until the Lord comes again. And I I think of this text that trials are beneficial. I sought to examine myself to see what are the sins that I commit that are my besetting sins. I was a pastor. Both the churches I served grew and were involved in relocation and major expansion building programs. I was a seminary professor and at Reformed Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, the mother of all campuses. I rose to the rank of full professor. I was the director of a doctoral program. When I was Serving the PCA, I was the stated clerk of the General Assembly. There's nothing, nothing I can do to improve Donna's situation. I can't. I tried. I tried everything. But I can't. So I'll just have to trust the Lord. 
And that's what you'll have to do too. I don't know what your thorn in the flesh is. It's deliberately ambiguous. But I do know, by the grace of God, we can make the best of the worst in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. We pray that you will speak to us through your word. Encourage us by it. Help us to trust in you into the wisdom of your providence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.